0: season two of the jkr podcast powered by black cobra sports my name is jay shriglin and i'm the host let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor
1: today's episode sponsor is mind baseball located in dallas texas their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, On Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, Baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast for the Texas 12 Baseball series. Today we have Texas
0: 12 director of the 2025 class and the co director of the 2023 class. We got Jeremy Knox on the JKR podcast. Coach Knox, how are you doing today? Pumped to have you
2: on the show. Pretty good, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, of course. All
0: right. So before we dig into you know baseball and into your coaching career, I have one question I'd like to dig in with everybody I get on the podcast, and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Jeremy Knox?
2: <laughs> Good question. Um I'm just ultra competitive. Um obviously I'm a players coach. Um I enjoy uh teaching, I enjoy Um, The journey. Um, And most importantly, I think um, the most important thing I think for me is is just to pour into these kids and give them something that's going to set them up for their next journey, uh, whether it's college baseball or pro baseball. Okay. So obviously you've been coaching
0: now for a while from, from what I hear, I I know I talked to coach Bennett last night and he was telling a lot of stories from, you know, times in the past. So from what I hear, it sounds like you've been coaching for a while, but let's dig it all the way back to the past to where you got your start in coaching. So take us through, you know, maybe what the motivation was, what that transition process was like, take us through where you got your start in coaching.
2: Um, actually, uh, it's kind of a neat story. Uh, I was actually in the barber shop um, getting a haircut, and there's a gentleman in the barber shop, and we got to talk in baseball. And it's funny how relationships in the game, you know, brings you uh, across people's different paths. And so, uh, I grew up playing for uh, I call him the goat, Mark Mihalik. Um and. When I was 15, we were playing, we were playing this uh, team from Mississippi. And this guy that was in the barbershop was actually the coach of that team. And so we ended up uh, just talking about baseball and where I was at in my life at the time and uh, brought up this just unique story. Um, there was a guy on my team by the name of Ryan Hamilton. Um, he ended up fouling a ball off his eye that day. And we were talking, and we both remembered and we were talking about it. And uh, before I keep going, the, the coach's name is Dennis Carter. God rest his soul. Uh, passed away in, I believe, 2016. Uh, but that's who got me started with the Fort Bend Texans. Um, this gentleman by the name uh, and former big league player, John Hudak, who actually owned the facility in West Sugar Land. So that, that's where I got my start.
0: Okay, so... What was that, You know, obviously you were a ball player growing up, so what was that transition process of going from, you know, being on the ball field to actually, you know, transitioning to the dugout to where you're actually, you know, mentoring kids, you know, teaching them how to play the game of baseball, what was that transition process like, and maybe what was the toughest part of that transition?
2: Um, you know, just just my background, like, I played for, you know, Mark Mahalik growing up, and there were some things just athletically that came easy to me, Uh, you know, playing shortstop and things of that nature. And uh, I think the most eye-opening experience for me was, uh, you know, I went to Galveston junior college out of high school and I had a coach there that, that uh, just was super competitive, but believed in me and kind of took me under his wing. His name's Hondo, Hondo Medellin and, um, he was kind of the opposite of our head coach. Um, our head coach was, (laughs) it's funny. He's, he's, he's kind of a tyrant. Um, and so, uh, you know, Hondo was kind of, you know, he just took a a liking to me and, um, I was kind of with him every day, did all my early work for ground balls and stuff, stayed after practice. Um, but he, he mentored me, um, and, and coached me and, and gave me some tough love when he needed to, um, but but he kind of the way he, he kind of took me under his wing. It just kind of you know made me like, man, I I, I kind of want to roll with this guy, and and he's in it. Yeah. Um, and then I think the most eye opening experience for me uh, growing up, and it it has nothing to do with race or anything. But I was I was usually only the usually only black kid on my team, right? And so and so we uh, had a couple of buddies who. That I grew up with and, and playing against that. We're going to Southern University, and so both my parents went to Southern, and so uh, I ended up once I left Galveston College, going down there, and it was just eye-opening at at how good everyone was because I was I was used to being the fastest kid on the team, and so I I'd get down to Southern, uh, and in fall ball, uh, you know, I went through like it may have been October, November. And, um, uh, it was like, who, and I'm not going to play. Uh, just, you know, there's a guy named Josh block who, who Josh went to army, um, it's from Houston area, but went to army. He, he waited two years to play. And he might've been the most tooled up guy at, at Southern at that time. Uh, he waited to play and ends up being like a third-round draft pick by the Angels. Um yet, you know, um before me, Ricky Weeks, obviously, Fred Lewis, uh, you know, guys of that nature um that were that were ultra talented. But needless to say, uh that that just the the talent there was just eye-opening because you kind of get in this bubble where in youth baseball, where where it's it's kind of a, a model that, you know, if your parents can can afford for you to. To, to play uh, then you know that's the kid you see out there you don't necessarily get to see every the, the big picture of the baseball world
0: yeah so you got your start you, what was it called the you said the Sugarland Texans or what
2: exactly uh, it, uh the Fort, Fort Bend Texans
0: Fort Fort Bend Texans okay so you get your start there in coaching how long were you there and then take us through the journey of maybe you know a different organization you went to before 12 or how exactly you got to where you were, you know, connecting with Coach Bennett and the Texas 12?
2: So I was with the four Bend Texans until uh, 2008. Um, and we had – I remember my first year just kind of um, – Coach Carter kind of took me under my wing, um, and he kind of showed me the roast with another guy that he partnered with. Um, I call him the godfather of hitting in Houston, Sid Holland. Um, but we had some notable names, obviously, like Randall Gritchick, I'm Kyle Winkler with a Kyle, Ross Seaton. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I, I kind of learned a lot from those guys, just, just coaching. Um, and then, you know, life happened, uh, ended up, uh, just not being able to commute to Sugarland, And I ended up, uh, with the Houston heat, um, in 2008. Okay. Um, so what's interesting about the heat, um, I've that that's kind of um, I want to say where it just really got eye opening for me. And I was, I was very fortunate in this sense. Um, I had uh key Brian Hayes, um, Cody Clemens, um, Jordan Hicks all in the organization. And so at the time I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm humble enough to admit uh, a couple of things. Number one, um, uh, Key Brian Hayes was a better player than I was a coach back then. Okay. Uh, Number two, uh, the way that, that heat team uh, pretty much got good, I would say in in terms of players is uh, Key Brian Hayes, dad, Charlie Hayes had the best. He had the best team around in Houston back then. And for whatever reason, uh, when those kids were in the eighth grade, they, they kind of broke up. And so I was fortunate enough to have key Brian, uh, for the eighth grade spring. Um, Jordan Hicks was like on our second team. Uh, we had Cody Clemens involved, uh, you know, some other super talented players like Jonathan Ortega, uh, Kendall Jeffries, Tyler Ray and Nick Perez. We, we had some pretty good pieces in place. And so, uh, one of the neat things I think that that we did that year is is there, I, I ended up meeting a guy named Kalia Balui uh, and nicknamed KV. And so KV had a really good twelve team that had some talent, and so we uh we would meet up from time to time, you know, like once a month. And there was this new park out in in uh, Cypress, Texas, at, at Shield Road, and so it just been built. And we would meet up and, and play like two games against each other, and they, and they were high end games. You know, we hit each other in the mouth, and that's where I first got to meet up uh, Greg Bennett and, and Kevin Hodge.
0: Okay, so you mentioned that you know Cabri, you so were you the assistant co- coach for Charlie Hayes, or how did that work? No,
2: no, I, I, I so so believe it or not, when, when in two thousand eight we were we were just okay. Um, we had Cody Clemens on that team, and it was kind of kind of more of a neighborhood team i would say with a few pieces from from other surrounding houston suburbs but um charlie had his own organization and we had ours but, but charlie was just you know for lack of a better terms just boat racing everybody when they were 13 and he, like they they were they they were the team <laughs>
0: yeah so so kabrian was Played underneath you, or how exactly? So you coach Ke'Bryan, correct?
2: So I, so what ended up happening is in 2008, Kebrian, um played with for his dad. Okay. 2000, so we get to 2009 that spring, uh, and their their team um, Charlie just decided to take a break, um, and so I got I was fortunate enough to inherit uh, most of those players, and then it just kind of took off from there.
0: Okay. So for guys like Brian Hayes, I believe you said Jordan Hicks as well was one of the other names you mentioned, Cody Clemens, for guys like that, you know, who end up making it to the major major leagues and playing major league baseball, um, can you kind of see it when they're at a young age that they're, you know, heads and toes above the rest? Like can you kind of see you know where they're at, you know, talent wise, development wise, and maybe even, you know, maturity wise as a person?
2: Um, I, so each obviously each player's journey is different. Um I would say this about Key Brian, uh, Jordan, and and Cody. Uh, They're phenomenal. They were phenomenal kids. They're phenomenal players, and they're phenomenal people. Um, Things that stand out. I I remember we had a game one time, uh, and this is when Key Brian was, was in eighth grade, and he lined out, and he was jogging back across the field, and he just looked at me and he was like I got him. And then the next two ABs it's like right center double off the wall, left center double off the wall and it's like man this this kid's so advanced. It's I mean and and, and the game was so easy for him. Um Jordan Hicks, however, different story. Uh, Jordan, you know, tried hitting and it was just awful, right? But at at 14 it was like he was like you know he touch of 85 but a lot of like 80 to 83 right and then the freshman summer it was he was still on team two in our Houston heat organization just okay and then before our, the sophomore summer started um, Jordan come comes to take a hidden lesson with me and it was just okay I mean he'll he'll tell you that to this day it was probably got off but we we end up playing catch. And I'm just like, it's, it's kind of firm. So I call the head of the Houston Heat at the time, Phil Cross. And I uh I tell Phil, I go, hey, I'm I'm gonna take him with me this summer. And he's like, no, 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 he's not ready. He's not ready. And I go, Phil, I'm I'm taking. So that summer, um, I put Jordan I mean, if I was his parents, I would have want to choke me because I I put him in – I mean, i put him in with the bases loaded and no out, <laughs> and, and he'd get out of it, right? And so um, he just had this, like, this steady Eddie, never too high, never too low demeanor. Um, and, and, you know, his, his sophomore summer, he's kind of – he's up to, like, 88, 89. And then uh, the summer uh, before his senior year, uh, we're, we were playing at – at Texas State and he comes in against we're playing the Austin Wings he comes in throws like the the fifth sixth and seventh and this scout stops me and he's like hey you know who, who is that and I said Jordan Hicks and he's like do, do you know how, how are you throwing I'm like well I don't have a radar gun and then he, he turns his pad over to show me and it's like nothing but like 93 94 and a couple of fives and I'm like uh oh right like wow like this guy I mean it's just pretty neat to see like he he just made a jump every year and I think what's 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 awesome about him and uh Cody Clemens and the way select ball is gone now I mean there's so many kids who just I'm not sure how much they love playing versus how much clout they get on on Twitter and Instagram but you know Jordan didn't make the area code team he wasn't a perfect game All-American. Um, you can go down the list, right? But he's the first guy in the 2015 class from Houston that made it to the big leagues. You know, so it, it, his story is just tremendous in the sense of not getting caught up in the right now because all those accolades, don't, they, they, they don't matter. They, they don't guarantee you anything for in the long run of it. So it, his story is pretty cool. Um Cody Clemens, just it's it's DNA, um, as competitive as can be. Um, his Roger was great to us um, during the time that that we had him, um, and he he's just it, it, he's just one of those guys. It's it's like always going to work out for him, you know. And and uh, he he's he was competitive, uh, great teammate. Kids loved him. It, it, it was a good experience to have.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, with you coaching in that Houston baseball area for a while, I mean, from what I hear from you talking to other uh, travel baseball coaches, Houston is one of those hotbeds within the state of Texas that, you know, it is distantly just dishing out, you know, professional talent, power five talent. With you coaching in that area for, you know, for so long, you know, obviously you had Hicks, Brian Hayes. Um, Cody Clemens, but like, what have you seen, or who are some other guys in that time that you were in Houston that just prove how much of a hotbed Houston is when it
2: comes? I to I mean, baseball? I mean, go look at, I mean, you know, we we all have have had our wars with each other over players, etc. But you know, uh, just look at the organizations in Houston. Ray DeLeon, the Banditos have had a had a. I mean, he had an unreal run of players from, from Austin Dean to CJ Hennahosa, Nick Williams, Courtney Hawkins, uh, Chris McFarlane, uh, Ryan Burke, Nick Banks. I mean, you could, you could uh, Cole Stewart. I mean, you, you, Jake Jarvis, you you can go down the list of, of, of guys he's had. You could, um Hunter Pence is, has had some players. I mean, look at, look at Peyton Chatelier at, at, at Ole Miss. Um, there, there's just, I mean, Marucci's rolled out guys here in Houston. I mean, it's – it's um, everyone's good. I mean, there, there's just not just – I mean, every time we play each other, I mean, it's – you're going to get some good games out of it. Yeah.
0: So when you were with the Houston Heat and then you were meeting up, you know, a couple times – was it, a couple times a month, you said, where you're facing and playing one or two games against some Texas 12 teams. How long did that go on before you maybe made that transition to the Texas 12? Like, what was that transition process like and how did that all come about?
2: Um, so, I mean, we, we played each other a couple times, uh, you know, at, at 14, um, obviously played each other, uh, and throughout the high school stuff. Um, uh, but I actually, um, I, I went to coach at, at, Texas State University, uh, when my heat team was, they were seniors in high school, um, uh, so I went to Texas coach of Texas State um and then I joined the the 12 I want to say in I don't know 2018
0: okay and then how did that Yeah, would have been
2: Yeah, it would have been, no, yeah, been 2018 um uh, I had played uh kind of bounced around um uh, I I ended up playing uh a guy by the name of Zach Dylan, who's now the recruiting coordinator at Baylor. Um, I actually saw him at a at TCU camp, um, and it's funny how this is all connected. Uh, but the guy I mentioned previously, Mark Mahalik, he, he he was at the twelve, and so uh, I see Zach at this at the at the TCU camp, and, and he's like, "Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we could talk later." And this was like in January, and then. I don't know. End of, end of March, early April. I had breakfast with Zach and Kevin Hodge, and uh, the rest is history. We've been rolling ever since. Yeah.
0: So, how long was that experience at Texas State?
2: Uh I, I was there for a year.
0: A year. Okay. So, what was so? What were some key things? Obviously, travel baseball. You mean you're, you're coaching? You know, guys who are going to play uh, Division One baseball, going to play professional baseball. But what was that just comparison between you know coaching collegiate baseball players who are you know eighteen to twenty three years old compared to you know when you're coaching guys who are in high school or and just in the travel realm? How, what like what is that comparison and what that look like there for that one season?
2: Um, so so at, at at Texas State, it was it was t- tough because uh, our head coach at the time had colon cancer, um, Ty Heron. Um, so in terms of, I mean, we have three coaches, you know, and, and it's a, it's a shame that D1 baseball is so strapped with, with coaches because there's, I mean, if I'm being, if I'm calling a spade a spade here, they, they're, it's, it, it's not designed to get you better, you know, and, and, and so. Um, I think the toughest thing is, is uh, you know, I, I played infield growing up, and so you have to uh, like I, I got there and had to coach outfielders, but you, you, it's a you know, you have to fit in and and uh, kind of get outside your comfort zone and, and do different things. And so, I I think the biggest challenge though, um, the, baseball is baseball, right? I mean, you're you're uh, I think the biggest challenge though is you you can control a select game to, to a certain degree. Um, your your athletes can, can dictate a game to a certain degree in a select game. Right. And then but but in college, you know, every, everybody's pretty much good, right? And and everyone can pretty much get you out or or execute pitches and so. I think in college, you—I mean, you need a little bit of luck. I mean, you need a little bit of luck, a little bit of luck all the time. But you need a little bit of luck. Need some balls to bounce your way, and it—it's it, just—it's eye-opening how much can happen over nine innings in college baseball. Yeah, like really eye-opening. Uh, you know, I've I've seen games where uh, I remember one midweek game. Um, and shout out to Jeremy Feekoch, the, he was the pitching coach at the time, but we were playing UTSA and, and it had to be, it was either nine and nothing or something higher than nine and nothing. And I remember in the, like the fourth inning, we were sitting on the, on the bench and then he was about to start and I go, man, I was like, Fee, we don't, we don't have any juice today. And he, and he looked at me, and he's like, oh, yeah? He's like, well, your energy sucks, too, right now. Right now, like, ouch. So, uh, you know, I I was like, you know, maybe maybe if I run around the first base, it'll change the mojo instead of walking around to coach first first base. But we ended up winning the game, like, 13 to 12, and it's just nuts. And it was just like, how? This has happened all over nine innings. So it, it, that that part's eye-opening. Um I think that that there's also, you know, the, the the time and preparation as far as the scouting reports and, and things of that nature also are, are very interesting when it comes to the college baseball aspect.
0: Yeah. So, all right, so you leave Texas
2: State, you go to the
0: Texas 12. I want to dig into that here in a second. Obviously, that's the reason we got connected. I want to highlight the Texas 12 as much as possible. But you know, obviously, as a baseball coach, I mean, you're continuously learning. Uh, whether that's you know just learning lessons from the kids or whatever it happens to be, you're just continuously just evolving your your mindset. So, if you could look back at just you know these past probably close to twenty years now of when you've been coaching baseball, um, well just what are some of those like key stories that come to mind when you think of uh, just times that you know you've learned something or just things that where you've really like evolved your mindset within the game of baseball.
2: Um. Uh, this is this is funny, but I I think it's just where you're at in time. Uh you know, that, that heat team wanna won a lot of games and um uh, you you kinda human nature and, and just being competitive and things of that nature when you have that success. Uh I got figure it figured out. I'll beat everybody. And then you get in the the transition to where you're you're in coaching in in college and you and you're like whoa. There was a runner on second, second base in scoring position with less than two outs, and they didn't throw a two zero fastball. They threw a two zero breaking ball. They threw a three one breaking ball, and then you're like, what? What's the why? Oh, to keep the double play in mind to not give away an AB like it. Those things start to open your eyes up um, a little bit more. Uh, I think what's what's really neat, uh, and it's expanded a little more in the college game and obviously the pro game and things of that nature is is uh, the scouting reports are so detailed. Uh, I mean, it's 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 impressive. How much time and preparations put into it, and what each coach at those schools do to prepare to try to win. And so, you know, you you look in those scouting reports at, at what pick what the opposing pitcher is going to do, what the opposing hitter does well or doesn't do well, and then try to execute to their weaknesses. Those those things are, you know, you don't you don't necessarily get that in the select game versus the college game. Okay. So what do
0: those scouting reports look like when you are playing in the select game or the travel baseball world? What do like those scouting reports look like? Cause obviously you're going to a tournament. I mean, you're facing, especially if you're going to make like Atlanta, I mean, you're facing teams from all over the country. So what do those scouting right. reports look like? Like how much emphasis do you put on those scouting reports compared to, you know, maybe just like, all right, we've got some good players, just go out there and play ball.
2: I mean, you know, me, me and, um, Corey Van Allen, who's my one of the pitching coach with that 2023 team. Uh I mean we the best you can do in select ball is just go go watch the team you're playing. But but what's hard is, you know, you you go out that first game and you haven't seen the other team play and and it's just go go hook it up, right? And as where in college and and it wasn't like this one when, when I was at Texas State, but I mean, now they've got these these video systems now where they can just watch every game of every team, whoever they want to watch, and it's it's way more advanced.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's dig into your time with the Texas Twelve. You said 2018, you leave Texas State, you kind of get connected with the Texas Twelve. So you get hired to the Texas Twelve. What is your initial job like? What did you get hired in as, and how has that developed? You know, over time to now, you know, we're what five six years later and you're the director of a team, co director of another class. What does that look like? How did that um just your your career with the Texas twelve evolve?
2: Um my first my first uh summer I spent it with uh Zach Dillon. Um and that was the with the twenty twenty one class. Uh good players in it. Um but we kind of split the teams into two teams. Uh, so Kevin Hodge and Nino Leha had one team and myself and Zach had another team. Um, so we did that group and then uh, the following summer uh, I coached the 2022 freshmen that had Connor Wegman, Jace LaValle, Ryan Williams uh, Rylan Galvan some of those names and then uh, as far as the junior high stuff, that's when I had the class of 2023, but, uh, and shout out to, uh, Josh Markle and Jake Baker and Andy Pettit, cause they, uh, we had a good group in place. Uh, Josh Markle did a outstanding job with the core group of guys until they got 14. And then we just kind of, um, added some pieces to that. uh and so I coached the 2023s in eighth grade, uh, during the fall and spring and 2022 is their freshman. So.
0: Okay. So right now you're listed as the director of that class of 2023. So I assuming that means you're also their head coach. And then when you are listed as the co-director of the 2025 class, what is that difference between being the director compared to a co-director and with the Texas 12, like I see each class has a different, you know, director, co-director. So what does that look like? Like what's the differences between those two positions?
2: Well, um, Zach Dillon, um, was our high school director and kind of ran everything. And when he left, um, you know, I've, I've had the 2023 since, uh, the eighth grade. So I, uh, eighth grade and then ninth grade summer, sophomore, sophomore summer. Uh, and then this past summer, which was their last summer. Um, so being the director of, of that, uh, 2023 class, uh, and I'm just co-directing that with Corey Van Allen, just because we've kind of moved all the way up with them. Um, obviously, all we have is this fall, so we just tried to help out um, as many uncommitted guys as we could um, get looks and find them a, a home to play.
0: Okay. So when you're coaching like let's so let's dig into the class of 2023 you're with them since their 8th grade year so that's four travel baseball seasons what are some of those relationships that you're building with some of the players on that Texas 12 team you know since you do get that chance to you know go through the summer go to games go to tournaments I know the Texas 12 practice as well so what are some of those relationships you build with players when you're continuously with them on a day-to-day basis
2: I mean it's 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 pretty deep um that that group I think is probably the best group to wear a 12 jersey um it's it's uh I mean it's it's so deep to where we had uh we had a we always have a senior banquet um uh, for each class and so I don't know if uh it was a combination of my mom passing away that week and how close I am with them but I I mean, I, I was supposed to make a speech at this banquet and I didn't, I rounded third and just stumbled and just, I mean, just, just, just started crying. So uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a pretty deep uh, relationship. I mean, those kids, uh, they're resilient. Uh, their families are outstanding. Uh, I, I, I think what, what they've, saw with me and Corey is that one, we treated everybody the same. We didn't have a, we didn't have this preferential treatment deal. Um, and we had the star power, you know, Kendall George, Blake Mitchell, uh, Drew Markles, James winger Jackson Brasso, Jack Bell, you, you go to Braden Randall. There, there's, there's some guys who are, you know, MVP of their district caliber players. Um, but we treated everyone the same. Uh, Sam Myers, who uh, silent, silent assassin might be, I mean, he's just a dog, but we we treated them all the the same. Uh, Blake Brown, they're just, and I I think just us doing that and being open with them, uh, you know, you get some respect, you gain some trust. uh, And then, I mean, those guys just, they're super talented, but, I mean, played lights out. Um, I, I just never went into it. I mean, I've gone into some games where you're like, oh, you know, where you got some nerves or something because it's, you know, when you're playing the Canes or, yeah. or um, you know, playing elite squad or or the Indiana Bulls, or you go down the list, right? And And then, you know, when you get in there and hook it up, it's like, why am i am not worried? These guys got it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been pretty fun to, to uh, be a part of for sure.
0: So now that the 2023 class, you know, they tra- their summer baseball days are behind and now they're focusing on their senior spring for some of those guys like Blake Mitchell, a couple other guys you mentioned <laughs> focusing on the draft and then the other guys going to college um, where, like, what happens next for you? Like, do you go back down to seventh, eighth grade and start coaching those guys up with a class or how exactly does that work in the 20s uh, when a team that you're coaching, like, graduates?
2: So uh, when I was with the 2023s for high school stuff, I was also with the 2025s in eighth grade. Uh, so now I'll flip roles and, and go to the class in 2025 and see what we can uh, – see what we can – dial up for this this upcoming summer and uh their junior summer
0: okay all right so when i was talking so i actually got, got, just got off the phone with uh ryan Be- bevington i believe is how i pronounce yes it. So I just yes, got off the phone with him, like uh, it was a couple. It was a couple hours ago, and he said you were the guy that connected him with TCU. You were the one that was maybe his point of contact during <laughs> that part of his recruiting process. So, with you being the director of a class, a co-director of another class, like what role do you play in recruiting for all these guys in the Texas 12?
2: I mean, here uh, there's a bigger message, I, I think, and truth of the matter is, is is, all these kids can't play at P5s, right? It's it's just not – I wish they could, but they can't. Uh, there's a place to play for everyone if you want to play. Now, now the, the player is going to dictate what level they play at. There's – there's, and, and I think for me, I, I think what I've tried to do and, and hopefully – college coaches feel this way, but I'm not going to oversell someone just so it looks good. Like we're committing them somewhere that, that, that doesn't do anything. It's not good for the player. It's not good for the family. And, and it's not good, especially if you, if you really want to play. Um, There's, I, I don't think all these, everyone understands that you need a little bit of luck. Like I just said earlier, you need opportunity. And what I mean by the opportunity is, is they don't they don't know how how cruel and the panic that sets in at some D one places. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know these these guys are at their high schools. And they can go they can go one for twenty. They're going to play every day because they're the best guy. May not be that way in, in in the SEC. May not be that way in the Big Twelve. You go over twenty in some of these places. Panic button. You're parked. And you don't know when you're going to see another AB, you know? And so for me though, I, I just try to uh, all these kids make a big sacrifice, right. To, to play baseball, to, to train, take lessons. Uh, And so I, I just want to get the most out of them. And I want them to get the most out of what they're doing with this. And so, if it's Saint Edwards, if it's TCU, if it's Baylor, if it's if it's Houston Christian University, if it's uh, Trinity University, if it's Rhodes College, where there's a place for everyone to play, and if they're going to stick with it, I feel like it's it's my responsibility to help them through that journey and that process.
0: So, being that guy in the Texas 12 organization that is having, you know, being that point of contact for a lot of these players' recruiting processes. What are some of those relationships that you've built? You know, obviously, Zach Dillon, you mentioned a couple other collegiate coaches that you've built with collegiate recruiting directors or with, you know, collegiate coaches. What are some of those relationships that you've built just being that point of contact in the recruiting process for a lot of these players?
2: Um, I mean, uh, I've had a great relationship with uh, Kirk Sarloos, um and John DeLore, uh, Lance Berkman and uh, Tyler Bremer. Um uh, Relationship with Justin Seeley, uh, good one with J. Bob Thomas. I, I think for me, uh, uh Zach Dylan and Ralph Barr Jr. kind of jokingly laugh like, uh, they're like, ah, they use this, they come up with this term called de- denoxified, Uh, and, and it's because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna hone in on what I think someone is in terms of the player and I'm just not going to make up something that far fetched. So, uh I think track record wise in terms of players, I, I think I've, I think these college guys know that if, if, if I tell you to, to go on, on a player, you, you probably should go. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to oversell, um, uh, and, I, and I, fortunately enough for me, I've, I've been pretty accurate for the most part, thank God, <laughs> on that.
0: So, so do you think you have a, so with you being, you know, a former collegiate baseball coach, do you think that me, like, do you think that strategy comes from that? Like, do you think your strategy is different from, you know, a travel baseball coach who, haven't co- who hasn't coached in college? Do you, or do you think a lot of travel baseball coaches kind of go about it similar?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's got their own niche. Um, the I think what's comical right now is is I've I've received texts from from college coaches within the state, and and they're like, "Oh, you guys sent everybody to A and M, right?" And it's like, what what do you think really happens, right? And it's and and every college is going to run their their program however they want to run it. OK, and there's. I, I used to kind of get upset at these guys over committing. Right. And then. OK, well, if I if I look at it through their lens, their job is to win games. Right. And so here's the bottom line. There are places who, yes, they have. North of 15 recruits in the class or North of 20 recruits in the class. If you actually, and when I say you, these other college coaches who sent us this deal where it's like, Oh, you send guys only here. You're just out of your mind. If you think we'd sit someone down and be like, Hey, they got 23 commits. I think you should go there. Right. So, so my point is this like, like, you can you can give parents the introduction and the player the introduction to a school or some coach may say, hey, Knox, have this guy call me, right? there, wh- What I've grown to know and, and learn through this whole deal is this. And, and this is just in Texas, okay? It's hard for people to tell UT no, and it's hard for people to tell Texas A&M no. Even with the number of guys they have right? And so people are going to make their, the, the, the player and the, and the family are going to make whatever decision and, and sometimes it stinks, yes, because they have to learn the hard way and they don't get a fair opportunity. They're in the transfer portal, etc. But but I, I it's just, I've just learned that, you know, you can introduce players to a number of different things um, as far as the advice. Um, I try to be honest with them and let them know either what I've experienced or what a prior or, or a former player has experienced at a place, but ultimately it's their, it's their decision. Yeah.
0: So, you know, you've been away from that college baseball game for five years or five, six years, whatever you said, 2018 was your last year at Texas state. Um, there's been a lot of changes since then, you know, obviously the transfer portal uh, you talk about, um, I, I believe this summer it was it that APCA announced that, you know, there's going to be more coaches that are going to be coming paid. Um, there's been a lot of changes since you've been at Texas State. So what are some of the changes that you've seen you know being there actually on the Texas State University campus for a year and now you know being away from it, still talking to collegiate coaches, just just the overall landscape of college baseball, like what have you seen different like what like what have you seen um, like just become different you know these past couple of
2: years? um it's 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 just alarming uh, this this new model. NIL, transfer portal, um, the old model that, that I coached in, you know, I, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, we had a shortstop, Luke Shirley, a right fielder, Teddy Hoffman, who hit under 200 their freshman year. Shirley played almost every inning of every game for us as shortstop, right? In today's model, that's not happening. They're going to go get a – they're, they're going to go get a – From the portal to do that, right? Um, Teddy Hoffman, uh, I remember our head coach, didn't think he could hit. And up until about two weeks left of the season of his junior year, he was leading the NCAA at hits, got drafted. You know, it's, it's, but it's just a short leash to play. and, And I think one of the, and before I say this, no Texas A&M. I'm, I'm not hating, but the worst thing that could have happened in college baseball, in terms of the portal, happened. They they went portal college world series, and so other guys. I and and I could be wrong, right? But I, I think there's there's some other guys that are looking at that like, hmm, if they can do it, maybe we can do it. You know, and and so the window now for that 18 year old freshman to actually play a full season, grow, do those stuff. Th- I think they, they might, you know, it, be self-serve better at, at a junior college, you know, but, but I think people turn their nose up when they hear junior college and, and, if, if it's from an educational standpoint, you know, freshman English is freshman English. College algebra is college algebra. It may be harder at some places, but, but um, I don't know many athletes who want school to be harder than, so So if you can, uh, and I'm not saying that it, they're stupid, but we all know the time commitment to this thing. And, and uh, I, it's just a, a, it's just a different time to where, uh, you know, I, I don't know where this thing's going to end up but I know from the, the the transfer portal and the covid guys uh it's just kind of it's just kind of a log jam. I mean we we played San Jack this fall and San Jack has a guy that that graduated in 2019 and it's the spring of 2023 and he's still at San Jack. You know, so it's if that's happening there just imagine you know where it is everywhere everywhere else. Yeah.
0: So with the portal, I was just touching on there a little bit. Have you seen, you know, being that recruiting coordinator, the recruiting contact for the Texas 12? Have you seen a difference in recruiting here these past couple of years since the portal? Because I know 100. percent Because I know here 100. I know here at Indiana. Like we had, um, so I'm a, I'm a junior, and my freshman year we had two senior middle infielders, or well they ended up getting drafted. They were juniors, seniors, whatever. They ended up getting drafted. And, you know, you're right. thinking, all right, well, these two freshmen are going to come in. You know, they're, you know, number one, number two in their states when it comes, you know, the PBR perfect game rankings. Um, You know, they're, they're projected to, you know, maybe take that spot as freshmen here in the Big Ten. And all of a sudden we show up last spring and it's two like fifth year seniors who, you know, like experienced COVID, this and that came from small D1s. Um, what, what have you seen? And obviously, I know you said you're not really sure where this next step is. But if you could kind of project, like, where do you think the next step is in this recruiting um landscape in college baseball.
2: I think one of the biggest changes I've seen is like our two thousand twenty-fours. It's it's and, and I'm willing to bet it's like this across just the Houston area. It's kinda it's kinda light. Uh, I mean to where if if I'm a twenty twenty four, I'd hundred percent be looking at junior college. And, or, or some mid major that's not out of control with with portal guys. Um, I think it's pretty light right now. Um, you could just and, and you, you hear just talking to parents like the worry, the concern uh, of, of what's next because they've just heard nothing and it's and it's you know they're gonna have to be really patient because if it's junior college, the timeline in which they recruit is way slower than than what a you know, these D one guys are coming guys that are 14, 15 years old now. You know, and, and uh a junior college guy, it's you know, all of their senior year or, or late the junior summer. So those kind of things you just see that are that are way different now. Yeah.
0: So you talk, we talked about your relationships with, you know, collegiate coaches when you're going through the recruiting process for some of these players. Obviously, with this year in the class of 2023, you have Blake Mitchell. I believe you have another draft prospect. Did you play any uh, Not. – I'm not going to say play any roles, but did you have any relationships or maybe guidance when it came to, you know, maybe a draft advisor for some of these guys? Or how does that work um, on the draft advisor side in travel baseball?
2: The advisor thing I try to stay out of. Uh, I mean, I'll pass the contact info along. Uh, but it's those kids choice. I, 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 that's that's not I st- stay in my lane for back <laughs> like better terms. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a whole nother animal beast, uh, that I, I don't, I mean, I, I stay out of that one. That, yeah. That's, uh, their choice. I mean, the advisors, I've, I've had a ton of them, you know, reach out, ask questions, but, um, and I'll pass the information along, but it's I just let the player and family kind of do that on their own. Yeah. All
0: right. So let's dig in a little bit to the actually scheduling of a travel baseball summer, Texas 12. I know you guys went to Cary last year, you know, played in some of these big tournaments. What does it look like? Like, how far in advance are you guys scheduling, you know, for each summer? And with you being the director, is that your job or whose job exactly is it with the Texas 12 to, you know, set up that schedule for each summer?
2: Um, Collective effort. Uh, but we we are very proactive. Uh, our summer schedule for this summer is already done. Um, so I, I think us being proactive makes it easy. Uh, but we're, we uh, kind of match up dates. Uh, if our top teams going somewhere may need a couple extra arms, we'll leave our second team off that week so they can go help if needed um so it, it, it's it's pretty neat how it all comes together yeah so are there so
0: obviously i know the big tournaments you know are hoover lake point east Cobb. you I know mean, like i said you guys went to that usa baseball tournament last year as well in, in north carolina but like are there some big time tournaments down there in the oklahoma texas area as well or for the most part are you guys traveling out east when it comes to those bigger tournaments with everyone across the country
2: um, I I think what we've tried to do is is you know be different uh, and be elite. Uh, I would say you know there's a PG National Select Tournament in ball that's huge that's down here in the summer, um, but for us uh, we we tried to balance it. Uh, to where our kids get the most, uh, for who they're playing, and so North Carolina's been tremendous because it's been the top sixteen teams of the country. And instead of going to Atlanta and playing seven or seven pool play games, of which six are aren't any good, and it that it, it doesn't kind of do anything for us. Um, I, I would just say I, I feel like. The USA tournament is is one you can't beat, uh, and then the Ultimate Baseball Championship. I mean, we I know this past summer we I mean we went through the gauntlet. We played uh, the East Coast Sox, uh, we played Florida Travel Ball, Phillies Scout Team, the Orlando Giant uh, Scorpions Giant Scout Team, and Five Star. This is our four as our pool play games. And so, uh, I mean, those those experiences in itself, uh, I think that prepares our kids and, and gave them a closer glimpse into what D1 baseball is really like.
0: Yeah.
2: So, you know, and, and all and all the games mattered. And so I think those moments are, are huge in terms of uh, playing. Yeah.
0: So in that experience with the USA baseball tournament, um, was that was this was this past summer? You guys' first time going there, or have you
2: guys been there? Before? No, it was it was our it was our second summer. It's kind of a uh, not gonna lie, probably I teared up a little bit this this past summer because uh, the sophomore summer we uh, w- so we we opened up the summer the sophomore summer and won. Pudge Rodriguez Tournament and so we went from there to to North Carolina and we opened up I think we had the toughest pool there um, played Jeff uh, Jeff Petty's group the Canes which is always just a hitch in the mouth game um, top tier uh, for the class of 2023 at the freshman and sophomore level were kind of the they want everything uh, really good group and so when we opened up in north carolina with the lead squad played the canes and then uh, top tier and so we we run rule the lead squad and then we play the canes and we throw Blake mitchell and james elweager and the canes have no shot like we're we have a beat and we go thirty minute rain delay um uh, and then we had a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay and then give up a uh, three-spot and moves four-to-three to that. And then we played uh, top tier, and they rolled out an arm. Uh, that just – I mean, we got hit in the mouth. I mean, the guy was 91-94, uh, breaking ball. Uh, we hit some balls over those. Um, just right at people, but he took a no hitter into the like seventh. Uh, then we started clawing back, but we lost that game uh, I believe three to one. and so we missed the playoffs by a run because the top eight top eight get to make the playoffs. And yeah. so um uh, just to show you how resilient the group is I mean, most teams fold when that happens. We can't play for nothing. but we had two uh consolation games, so we played norcal. And played really well. And then we played East Cobb and we run rolled East Cobb. And I'm like, okay, this group here is, is uh, you know, at least there's no quitting. And so, my, you know, when we lost to North Carolina, that was the first time they lost their sophomores uh, in in the summertime because they went undefeated their freshman summer. So, so we uh, roll into, you know, North Carolina, undefeated and, and we ended up losing so uh that was a little bit of a wake-up call eye-opening for us um uh, but then you roll into this year uh, well i'm sorry the 2022 summer uh and we beat east Cobb um alpha alpha prime through a monster at us that was like 93 96 um uh, b5 star uh Beat elite squad in the quarterfinal, the dirt bags, uh, and so end up playing the Indiana Bulls and, and win the entire thing. And so I, uh, Zach Dillon and Mitch Thompson are gonna kill me for saying this, but uh, we were at the UBC enrolling, and rolling, uh, and Zach has decided whether he wants to take the uh, recruiting coordinator job at Baylor or stay with the twelve. And this all happens after we've won our pool, and we're about to play the Canes in the semifinal. Okay, and so uh, Zach is just a mess the morning of the semifinal, and uh, we ended up that was our that was our first loss of the summer last summer was to the Canes in the semifinal at the UBC. But uh, I know it was a tough decision for him whether to stay or uh, go, but. Uh, Baylor's in his heart, and that's hope for him.
0: So now that you know, twenty twenty three, that like like we've talked about, that class is over. I mean, you said you know you had that senior banquet there. You know that you kind of teared up. And you're going to miss those guys. Um, you know you're, now you're going to be working with that class of twenty twenty five. But you know with with the guys who are leaving this class in the class of twenty twenty three, guys in the past who have passed the, uh, who have uh, gone through the Texas twelve. How, like how often do you keep in contact with some of the guys who are now going to play professional baseball, going to play collegiate baseball, you still stay in somewhat contact with them or for the most part, you know, maybe they'll, even uh, though they're a part of that Texas 12 family, you kind of leave them alone once they do you know, uh, the next level.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had, um, I think last week I, I had, uh, I should say dinner, but I, I had, you know, Ryan Williams, who's in Mississippi State right now, um, Andrew Valeski's playing football at Texas A&M, and Connor Wegman, we, we met up at Waterburger just to catch up and uh, just to see how those guys are doing. But, yeah, uh, Chase LeViole, uh, who I, I've probably been his hardest critic at the 12 in terms of his play. Uh, talked to him over the break about some things to expect in the upcoming uh this upcoming season. So I, I, I try to keep up with all the guys, uh, encourage them. Um, I think they all know that uh, if they need something, they can, they can give me a yell. Yeah.
0: So coach, so coaching for the Texas 12 here, these past five years, you know, being in contact with people within the 12 organization for years beyond that, what do you think has led to the success of this 12 program that coach Bennett, all the other coaches that he's brought on have built, What do you think has led to their success these past, you know, 17, 18 years since he started the program?
2: Leadership. um, Kevin Hodge, Greg Bennett. um, We've just had – we've been fortunate to have some really good guys around it. Uh, I think in terms of a staff, uh, I'm I'm curious, and and it would be ignorant for me to say that no one in, in Texas has it because I don't know everyone's staff, but, you know, if you go down to our staff, I mean, Kevin Hodge played at A&M, played at Rice, pro ball. Uh, Greg Bennett, coached at Auburn, um, is, I believe, the head of the sports management department at Texas A&M. Uh, Trevor Moat, recruiting coordinator at Baylor, played at Baylor, drafted. Um Dakota Dill played at U of H, um, pro ball, Corey Van Allen pitched at Baylor pro ball, coached at U of H, uh, myself, Texas state university, uh, Mark Mahalik, who probably has had more good players around him than anyone in Houston on the longevity of, of select baseball, uh, played at rice pro ball, uh, Marty Smith, who was just at, at A&M Corpus, Christie forever as a pitching coach. He's now a part of our organization. Uh, Zach Lovano's, he coached at a, uh, D three. Uh, he's connected. It, it, it's a b- pretty big tree that, that, uh, I mean, Scott, Scott Moore pitched at Texas state, uh, pitched for the A's. Corey Aldridge, uh, got a cup of coffee, um, and is, is one of the most knowledgeable hitting guys in, in Houston. I mean, we, we've got a big uh, – just a big big network of guys that, that these players can use as resources.
0: So with you being, you know, from Texas, being across Texas, you know, in your coaching career, whether that's, you know, the Houston Heat, going to Texas State, going to Texas 12, I want to hear this. Maybe, I might be – and this might be a biased opinion, but how does Texas – baseball compared to California, Florida? How does that compare to all these other states across the country? What is Texas baseball like high school wise? You know, the guys are sending the pro ball, just the entire picture. What does that look like from your eyes?
2: Um, I, I think the style of play, it, it's interesting. Cause when you, when you go to like a North Carolina or an Arizona, uh, Florida, it's interesting. Just the style of play. Um, I think one of the one of the unique things that the Canes have going, for as many bodies as they have, it's it's crazy how they, like those kids buy into what they're doing and and they want to hit you in the mouth. Um, in in Texas, like Ray DeLeon's always going to have a hard nosed group. Hunter Pence, hard nosed. Um, the sliders. Hard nosed, um, the sticks in Dallas—they're they're hard nosed. Um, Lone Star, hard nose. Like it, th- there's good organizations here that that I, I I think it's a testament to just what we have here, uh, and I I wish we'd play each other more often, uh, but I think because we play each other here and get after it here, it, it, it sets a lot of teams up to do well on the national level. Um, California, I mean, those guys, I feel like they're so fundamentally sound, it's like unreal. Um, they'll hit and run you to death. They can – I mean, they, they'll bunt. They'll, it, they're just fundamentally sound. And then, you know, Florida, um, it's – South Florida is obviously different from Northern Florida. Those South Florida kids are tough. They're gonna they're gonna talk it. Um, they'll get after you. Um, and I think there's one state that people kind of on the back burner, and I don't know why. Those kids out of Georgia can play. That that's a that's like a underrated gem in my opinion. There, there's there's some kids out of that state that can flat out play.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you look at the 2022 draft, the draft, I mean, I think there was four guys who were drafted out of high school from Georgia. If you look at yeah, you know, it's, it's the drones, Collier.
2: Yeah. Leska, Tamar,
0: Yeah. Tamar Johnson. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that states, whenever I talk to players, I talk about five States um, and I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only 20, 20 years old. So I mean, I'm still, you know, learning on the go, but I kind of look at it as five States as the top tier you know, you got Texas, Cali, Florida, Georgia, and I throw Arizona in there as well. It's kind of like those top five states. Like I said, you know, I'm still, you know, learning the whole, the whole landscape of all this, but that's kind of where I see it. Uh, But no, the final question here, when it comes to, you know, about your career, then we'll dig into, you know, a couple like rapid fire questions to end it off. So obviously Texas 12 already, you know, great organization, already very established, but as you, in your career and the Texas 12 in general, you know, go through 2023 and, and, and beyond, where do you see this program going in the future? Kind of what is the vision through your eyes? Um, like, like I said, career-wise, program-wise, what does that look like here? These next couple of years?
2: Well, I mean, I've, I've got some, uh, new additions to the family. I, I don't, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. Um, uh, I had, uh, I was fortunate enough, um, uh, to have, uh, Lance Berkman think of me and, uh, take a position at Houston Christian university, but, uh, the time wasn't right. Um, you know, I I'll do this as long as, as long as I can. I love being around it. Uh, the organization, uh, we have great leadership in place. And so, uh, everything's very well organized. Starts with Kevin Hodge, um, uh, its way down to Greg Bennett, Trevor boats, outstanding, uh, Corey Van Allen, all, all the guys we have in leadership there. Uh, right now, I enjoy the the group of guys that's there.
0: Okay. All right, so I got three final questions. I kind of want to wrap it off. You know, these, aren't, you know, these are baseball kind of, but kind of not. Uh, so when it comes to motivations, what is it that kind of, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning, go get better, you know, continue coaching all these kids, continue just changing lives? What are some of these motivations that you have, you know, within your life in general that just continue to help you evolve?
2: Um, well, there's there's a few. Um, one, I, I enjoy trying to get the most out of a kid, um, seeing what that looks like. Um, two, I hate losing. So uh, I'm, I'm competitive to a fault. Um, and then three, I, I mean, just growing up, my, my dad was, you know, Super involved, and and when I say super involved, just before I started playing select ball, uh, we're always doing something, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, Um, and so uh, that's just kind of the motivation there is just being around it and helping kids.
0: Yeah. All right, so down to the final question. This is one question, you know, whether you're a collegiate baseball player, high school baseball player, coach, agent, whatever it happens to be, if you come on the J.K.R. podcast, you're going to end off the episode with this question. So when you're looking at all the brands within the game of baseball, you know, Nike, Adidas, all the big-name ones, you know, even if you're looking, you know, beyond that, at you know, Dovetail or Max Bat or whatever, what would be your favorite baseball brand?
2: Ah. Uh okay if it's shoes nike all day i got a sneaker problem in itself but and turf problem but nike all day um uniforms gotta be nike uh glove i i was a big rawlings guy until um uh, Shout out to the glove cowboy Marucci. He's doing some really good things with his baseball gloves uh, to decide how light they are. Um, I would say Raleigh's a Marucci if it's a glove. Um, wood bat. Um, I'm an old hickory guy. Okay. Um, All right. I, I, I like old hick. Um, I haven't ventured off into the dovetail models too much yet um, but I, I would say I'm 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 a big old hickory and then probably evict this guy okay
0: are you have you uh, had any experience with Bruce Bolt? I mean I know they're making a big a big jump into the game of baseball these past couple I see I'm,
2: I'm I'm into I'm not into the leather glove I'm into the Cabretta oh like like the Frank Franklin if, if you're gonna go batting glove Franklin Neal classic all white that's okay. That's the glove.
0: All right. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not playing baseball anymore, so I mean, I can't go use it. But, you know, if there's people listening, players listening, listen to Coach Knox right here. Go get that. (laughs) that batting glove. But no, um, that's all the questions I have for you here on the J.K. podcast on the Texas 12 baseball series. Uh, Really appreciate you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Really appreciate, you know, you connecting me with some of these guys in the 12 organization as well. You know, the, the 12 baseball organization is something I follow now for a while. I, I'm really excited and really blessed to, you know, be doing this spotlight on the organization these next five or six weeks or so. I'm just really pumped for that. And like I said, just really appreciate you coming on here on the podcast today.
2: Thanks for having me.